looking at Matthew, the seventh chapter. We're actually wrapping up today, be still your hearts, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> which we've been in <laughs> almost all year. Actually, we started in January, didn't we? Uh, it's now been a while, but we're going to wrap this up, and then we're going to continue through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, looking at the teachings of Jesus. It will speed up dramatically now because we'll start reading what Jesus did. He went there and walked on the water and all these different twists and turns and stuff like that, so it moves much faster. Uh, there's a couple other places where he gets into some more detailed teaching, and when we hit those spots, you'll see it slow down because you got to explain it like this stuff, but by and large, it'll, it'll move around uh, pretty well. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to pick it up now at verse 13. We've been talking about this. We left off here, you know, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. What are you giggling at? Oh, you couldn't hear me that whole time? Oh. Oh, the front row people couldn't hear you. I'm trying to preach. She said they're giggling on the front row like a Cheshire cat. We're good now though, huh? All right, because I'm preaching right to you this morning. <laughs> All right, so broad is the way that leads to destruction. Some people need to avoid that. The broad road to destruction. And then narrow is the road that leads to life. Now, that's very different. We've gotten so far away from the, things, the teachings of Jesus. Most Christians today believe everybody goes to heaven. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Most people go to heaven. La, la. Yeah? Well, Jesus taught exactly the opposite. Most people don't make it. Now, how many and what percentage is none of our business, who knows? But he said, it ought to make us take this more seriously. You think you're just going to slide in because you're so cute? You are delusional. All right? We got to do this intentionally. And he warns, okay? Then he, he talks about this next part. He says, watch out for false prophets. And we skipped over this last time. And I said I was going to back up. So we're backing up today to catch this. Why would you need to watch out for false prophets? Because most people are going to miss this. And he's saying, be careful. Be careful that you don't miss it. Watch who you listen to and who you let into your life and who you let speak into your life. Because there are people coming along that they have their own interests at heart. They don't really care about you. And you need to be careful that you don't miss it. It's his point. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. The Bible, the New Testament talks a lot about these kinds of people. They just want stuff for themselves. They are either out for money or seducing people or just about ego and pride. They want to become something that they're not, so they love to position themselves uh, just for their own purposes. So he says, watch out. And then he tells them how to watch out. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Likewise, every good tree that bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. He goes on. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now, this is kind of an interesting statement, and he's really hammering this home. And I just want to make it clear. Everybody, we all have issues. Everybody's got stuff. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, my wife is perfect. But other than that, nobody else is perfect. Okay? We all have stuff. And I'm not talking about that. But there are people who have chronic nastiness in their life. And they don't take it seriously. They, they dismiss it. They say, well, you know, it's, I got those few issues, but everything else is good. No, you're a bad tree, man. You're in trouble. You need to take this seriously. Because a good tree, Jesus says, cannot bear bad fruit. 
got someone who's continually, chronically doing destructive things or having major problems in their lives, you need to stop, you need to focus, you need to get it right. If it means you need to get your butt into your campus pastor and get some help or whatever you got to do, get it right. Take this seriously. He's not kidding here. He's talking about life and death and eternity. So just be careful. Um, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Now here's the deal. Look at who is speaking into your life or trying to speak into your life. Look at their life. What are they like? What is the fruit coming out of their life? Is their life dominated by the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, self-control. Or are they people who in areas of their life are complete disasters? Because that is often the case. Some of the people who claim to be the most spiritual people. God told me this and God told me that. and God, It was amazing. But you look at their lives and they're disasters. They can't hold a job to save their lives. They can never pay their bills. They're always at war with their families. They're, you know, something's wrong. They hate their husbands. They hate their wives. Whatever, blah, 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 blah. But yet they're so spiritual. Listen to me. When someone talks into your life, look at their life. If their life is a mess, ignore them and get away from them. Well, no, brother, pastor, that's not fair because they just have some issues. No, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Be careful, he says here. Watch out for that stuff. They're so spiritual. I promise you, I've been in this for over 40 years. When someone comes to me and says, pastor, I think God wants us to do that. I look at who's talking to me and I look at their life. And if their life is a disaster, I may see their lips moving, but all I hear is blah, 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 stinking blah. I am not listening to them. I smile and pretend I'm listening to them, but I ain't listening to them. Because <laughs> I don't care how smart you think. How, well, I got, I got the book of his Ezekiel memorized from front to back. And I'm just, I don't care. You are a mess. And if you can't get your life together, don't be coming around here and prophesying to me or anybody else. And when you, God, we're such a fragile, fragile, fragile. Good grief. Watch, be careful. The Bible warns us against people. Look at their lives. There's all kinds of things. You know, the Bible warns not only of, you know, false teachers, but people who are divisive and come in and cause all kinds of trouble. And I'm warning all of us. You guys listen to me in Appleton, Stevens Point, here as a church. We need to be careful. Be careful. Don't be divisive. Don't go around causing all kinds of problems by asking all kinds of questions. What? Why are they doing that? Well, why did they do that? I'm not sure we should be doing that. And why is it that pastor or is such a narcissistic, crazy man. He wears all these fancy shirts. There's something wrong with him. I'm not sure that's right. Stop. Money's a big thing. I'm not sure the money should be spent this way or that way. We should be spending this money for people in Bazabanza land. Stop. If you don't want to give to something and send your money to Bazabanza land, fine. Don't go around criticizing everybody else. Besides, that kind of thinking will drive you crazy. We'd never do anything around here because all the money could go to Bonza Bonza land. We're not going to plow this parking lot this year. 
walk over to snow. Because we're going to save that money for bonza bonza land. You know how much money we spend on toilet paper every year? Come on, people, time it out. Go before you come. Everybody should be able to last an hour and 15 minutes. We'll use that money for people in Bonza Bonza land. Seriously. See people getting all fidgety. You won't know if the Holy Spirit's moving or people's bladders are filling up. Just, just. Don't be going around. Listen, Satan. If you watch how Satan came after Adam and Eve when they first got here. Now, we don't know how long it took from the time God made Adam and Eve until Satan tricked them. It could have been millions of years. My guess, about an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. You know what I'm saying? But Satan comes along and he says to Eve, well, did God really say you can't eat that fruit? That won't really happen. Do you think? That's all he's got to do. His first opening line was a question. Now, I'm not saying you can't question stuff around here, but if you got questions, go to your campus pastor and ask him the question. Fine. But don't let people get you all upset. You know, you're going along fine and somebody comes along and says, did you see the way they did that thing over there? Do you really think we should be? Don't listen to people like that. Look at them and just get away from them. Don't be having all kinds of problems. All right, anyway, then verse 21, we read this. This is the anti 21st century American Christian phrase because for the last 50 years in this country we've spent billions of dollars in evangelical Christians having big campaigns and everything just telling everybody if you just ask Jesus in your heart you'll be saved all you gotta do is say Lord come alive. if you just say Lord Lord you'll be saved you'll be saved you'll be saved, you'll be saved. we have said that over you, you just say Lord Lord you'll be saved it's funny that Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven Clearly, Jesus has not been to one of our classes. Because we could set him straight. Look, you need to pray. I get it. You need to ask Christ in your life. I understand that. But do not be deluded. Just because someone prays a prayer doesn't mean they're guaranteed salvation. You've got to live this thing out. Anybody notice? It ain't easy. Intentional Christianity, okay? So he talked about that. Then we get to verse 24. And this is where he wraps it up. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. I love the way Jesus taught. He does use all these pictures and parables and stuff to get truth into people. But it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. You notice it's not just to hear it. It's good that you come and hear it. But even coming and hearing it is not enough. You actually have to put this stuff into practice. We actually have to live it out. Because everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. Everybody say foolish. A foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew. Shouldn't beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Boom! Now notice what Jesus is saying here. And this will mess with some of y'all's heads this morning. But he says the reason people collapse 
It's not because of the size of the wave. It's because of the strength of the foundation. Are you hearing me? Because everybody thinks, oh, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm struggling because this wave was so big. I mean, I'm used to little bitty waves and every once in a while, kind of, but Pastor, let me tell you about this wave. It was this kind of wave and it was that kind of wave. And it's that I can't get over because it it's that kind of, no. And if anything, you will listen to people talk and they'll describe why they're so miserable and so unhappy because they keep telling you about the wave and what an incredible wave it was and how powerful and overwhelming this wave was. But it has nothing to do with the wave. Not its size, not its strength, not its intensity. Whether you stand or fall is based on one thing, your foundation. Well, that sounds kind of insensitive. I know it feels insensitive, but I'm telling you what the Bible says. Not only did Jesus say it, we read about it in Proverbs, the 24th chapter, verse 10. Check this one out. If you falter in a time of trouble, that must have been an awful lot of trouble. That trouble must have been so big. It's no wonder you fell. Wait, you got a different translation. I got the woe is me translation. <laughs> the true translation says, if you falter in a time of trouble, it has nothing to do with the trouble. It's how small was your strength. Well, that's kind of insensitive, isn't it? Wow, I'm telling you, it's not about the size of the wave. It's about the foundation. Well, pastor, it's more than I can handle. No, it's not. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 13. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Everybody goes to the same junk you're going through. I know you think it's just you. Woe is me. It's me. Nobody knows <laughs> the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but... <laughs> No, everybody knows the trouble you see. We, have all, we all go through stuff. Life is hard. Get in line. And if it's not hard now, yeah, there's something to cheer for. Life is awful. Yay! You know. But it's true. It's hard. And if it's not hard for you today, stick around for a while. Some of you go for years sometimes without trouble. And all of a sudden, some of the people go decades without trouble. You know, actually, I feel bad for people who go decades and decades with no trouble. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, nothing goes wrong in their life. And I said, ooh, because when it hits, man, they collapse like a deck of cards. They freak. Everybody has trouble. Everybody has trials. Everybody has waves that come crashing into them. Some are bigger than others. That's because some can handle it more than others. One thing we do know is what he says here. God is faithful. You know what God, that means? You can depend on God. God is faithful. He says he will not let you tempted, be tempted above what you can bear. And I want you to know something. This scripture is independent of you believing it. That's what's so great about it. There's promises in the Bible that the only way you can get that promise is to stand on that promise and to believe that promise and have faith in that promise. We'll teach on that. But then there's other things that are just facts. It's like gravity. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. I don't believe in gravity. I don't think it has any place in my life. 
I'm a very spiritual person. And I don't, I don't care whether you believe it or not. There are some principles in God's word that are just bigger than you and what you believe and how you act. And one of these things is this. God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. But it's more than I can. No, it's not. Well, how do you know? Because God is faithful. You know what faithful is? Somebody you can depend on. We all have people in life you can depend on them. And other people, you just can't depend on them. You, can't, you can give them the simplest task. They can't pull it off. Ralph, just watch the cat for two hours. Just watch the cat. Ralph, can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. I can do it. You come home. Ralph, where's the cat? I, I don't know. I got out when I opened the door. Ralph! You got people like that, right? There's other people you know, you can give them anything and you can trust them because they are faithful. I want you to know God is faithful beyond anything you've ever seen. He will never allow you to be tempted above what you can handle. So then why, why did it happen? I don't know why. I tell you, and I've seen all kinds of, I, you know, we just had uh, two uh, wonderful friends uh, that have traveled with us for the last few years, the Sheets. Many of you know that their son was killed in a horrible airplane crash. They, they burned. I mean, it was horrible. And they weren't out partying. These kids were on their way to a youth ministry so they could serve God. It was horrible. I was with them. Deb and I were with them the night they got the call. I'll never forget it as long as I live to hear what had happened to their boy who just graduated from ORU University, just getting ready to start his life. These people loved, they loved their kids. And all they ever talked about, those two boys, all they ever, we get to, we just spend hours flying in an airplane talking about them two boys. We were working their lives all out for them in advance. We we're getting ready to check out the new girlfriend, make sure she was good enough for him. You know, I mean, we just were, we were biting, we we're into it, you know. And to get that phone call, I'm telling you, when I heard what had happened, it was like somebody reached into my lungs and sucked out every bit of air in me. I was stunned, mortified. And he gets off the phone. I could hear because he was talking out loud to me what had happened. And that happened. What? How many were killed? Did Luke die? I understand. But, but was Luke killed? He didn't want to tell him. But yeah, but did Luke? Oh, so he did. He died. Okay. Right. Hung up that phone and he said, oh, Praise God. Praise God. We're just going to trust God through this whole thing. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be saying that. I, I can't say anything. And he leads us all in prayer to comfort us. I thought, How do you get that way? Because he's on the foundation, you see. Then there's other people, they can't get over it because their pet goldfish died six years ago. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be mean and insensitive. I know people suffer and they grieve and all that kind of stuff. We have grief sharing programs and stuff. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, as much as we help in that program, in these programs, and you guys teaching these programs, at the end of the day, the reason people are struggling is not because of the size of the wave that hit them. It's because of the lack of foundation they have. You need to get this in your life. People's lives are constantly being knocked about and everything is awful. 
And you try and help them and all they do is describe the size of the wave. That's what it was. It was horrible. It knocked me to the ground. It was huge. It was huge. Okay. But it's not about the wave. It's about your foundation. You get this in you. Listen, have you ever seen, we've all seen this beautiful picture. Maybe you've been out to the Pacific Ocean, Atlantic, and you see these lighthouses that are out there, and they are built on such a solid rock of foundation, and the waves come smash, and sometimes massive waves come in, and just crash, and water goes flying, it looks really cool, right? We all say, it's like, wow. Do you know that lighthouse really doesn't care how big the last wave was? Doesn't make a difference. It's not like the lighthouse went, whoa, that was a bad one. It's irrelevant. Whether there's tons of them, big ones, little ones, they're on a foundation. Likewise, you ever build something in the sand? All it takes is the tide to start coming in a little bit. And as soon as water touches it, everything collapses. Oh, no, I spent hours with that. Ah, melting, I'm melting. You know, it's just, it's, it's horrible. And there's a little tiny trickle of water. It's not about the size of the wave. It's about getting the foundation. Pastor, how do you get the foundation? Jesus said, if you hear what I'm teaching you and you put them into practice, you will be on a rock. If you don't, you're on sand and you're in big trouble. Well, I heard it. I went to church every day. Yeah, but your problem is you never practice it. And we're just talking the foundational teachings of Christ, which we just finished in the Sermon of the Mount. We went through this a couple of weeks ago. What is the Sermon on the Mount? Rejoice when people insult you. Don't hide your faith. Don't hate people. Make peace with everyone in your life. Settle disputes with people before they drag you into court. Don't lust after women. Don't divorce your spouse. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Do good things just so God can see you, not so other people can see you. When you pray, pray simply, don't babble. Forgive people or God won't forgive you. And Lord, if that isn't a big one. Reason why some of y'all are just miserable in your lives and God can't bless you and you are chronically sick and off is because you are so bitter. Some of y'all still will not forgive an ex-wife or an ex-husband. Some, some of y'all can't stand your current wife or husband. And you're always fighting. You're always like, you know, in church, you're like, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God, Pastor. How you doing? Oh, sister so-and-so, how you doing? And then we get you home and so you're yelling and scraping each other's eyeballs out. And we're like, Pastor, why am I so sick? Why am I so sick? Because you're full of poison. Stop it. Let it go. You want God to heal you? Let it go. Full of unforgiveness and bitterness. Good Lord. Put your money into the kingdom of God. Quit worrying. Trust God. Don't judge people. And then be active in your faith. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It won't happen if you just sit on your butt and don't do anything. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is it. This is it. We need to live this and practice this and know this. Some of y'all were done. We need to go back next week and you need to read those five chapters again. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
And then the week after that, you need to read it again. Matthew 5, 6, and some of you need to read this over and over and over until this gets inside of you and it starts to change your life. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, why don't you teach more meaty stuff? You know, we want, we want more meat. More meat. You know, you know, real meaty stuff is what we want. I teach on the, on the tabernacle. The Old Testament tabernacle with the outer courts and the inner courts and how it's tied to the next door's court and the basketball court and the other court. And, just, and you know, how, you know, uh, this means that and the, the, the blood over the temple. And I know people who love that stuff and they spend all the time with it. I just, seriously? I'm just trying to get people to do this. How about we do this? I don't care about the inner court, outer court, or the other court. You notice, I don't do a whole lot. There's people who just love to teach on the end times, teach on revelation. Pastor, why don't you teach on revelations? Quite frankly, I don't understand it. I'm just telling you. And here's the kicker. Neither do you. What about the end times? I'll tell you about the end times. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be bad. It's going to hit the fan and it's going to be nasty. Be ready. How do you be ready? Do this. Just do this. You don't got to worry about the end times. Just do this. You don't got to worry about the Antichrist. Don't do this. Well, Pastor, when's the rapture going to happen? Is there going to be a rapture? Now, I don't know. What are you going to do when Jesus shows up in a way you didn't think he was going to not show up? He starts taking up the rapture. You go, well, wait, I didn't believe in this. I don't, I don't think we should have a rapture. Everybody let me go. What's, I mean, Seriously? Who knows what's going to happen? We just know it's going to be bad. Do this. Seriously. You know, I sit with other pastors and stuff. And they get into these deep theological talks, you know. You know, what do you think about transubstantiation? You know? Well, I think this. What do you think about the end times? Well, I think, well what do you think about this doctrine tied to this doctrine? And this, you know, they're fresh and like a fresh and slagging fresh. And then they finally look at me and say, well, Mark, what do you think? I, Man, I'm just trying to get guys to quit looking at porn. You know, I, I don't care about all that. I just don't care. First of all, the reason why so many people argue about it is there's a million different ways you can look at it. I might have my opinions, but I do not emphasize that stuff. You know, are you, are you Calvinist or are you Armenian? I'm, I'm Puerto Rican is what I am. <laughs> That's what I am. Good Lord. Fun. How about we major on the majors and quit majoring on the minors? Don't care about that stuff. You want to learn that stuff? Great. Knock yourself. If you've got all this together so tight in your life that you want to move on to that and look at, you know, the, the vision of the guy who had clay feet and iron feet and all this other. Okay. Have a good time. Don't invite me. But let's live this stuff. Let's get this word in us. Let's, if nothing else, let's know the teachings of Jesus and let's live by them. And then it says, when Jesus had finished these, saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Most of y'all are amazing that we finally got through it. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. All right, now we will go on and we'll start reading what Jesus did. It'll speed along a lot faster than what this just went through. But live this, focus on this. Let's challenge each other to genuine Christianity, real Christianity. I may not understand, and I don't think anybody does, all these shades of crazy doctrines that are all there, all these opinions about this, that, and the other. Man, let's focus on this stuff. 
Let's live it. And if we can start living, I'm telling you, we'll change the world. If we can just get people to live what Jesus said. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth, your mercies, and your grace. Help us, God, to be wise people who hear your words and put them into practice. Because then we will be like the one who built his house on the rock. And not to be like the foolish who hear the words, who enjoy the words, who smile at the words, who clap at the words, who get up and dance about the words, sing songs about the words, but they don't put them into practice. Because, Lord, it'll be like those who are on sand. And when they collapse, they'll be sure it's because the wave was so big. But, Lord, help us open our eyes this morning. It's not about the size of the wave coming at us. It's about the foundation. Help us to get solid foundations in us, in our children, in our grandchildren. Help us to build solid Christianity so that you can use us to touch a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.